Jimmy Rocket Swift took a long pull on his health shake and pulled out a cigarette. After a deep drag, he let the smoke out and wondered how he never blew up with all the saturated oxygen on the space station. You know, when you think, you look really stupid. Jimmy turned and faced Singh. Singh was once known throughout the entire universe as Singh the Soulless. It was rumored that he had he would teleport unwitting chumps from across the cosmos to amuse him in death games. No one really thought much of it, as there were many unfounded rumors about Singh. Of course, one of those chumps was Rocket. Singh had abducted Swift in just that fashion. After nearly succumbing to Singh's merciless army and assorted death traps, Swift escaped and journeyed the galaxy, seeking adventure. Singh was left to lick his wounds and plot his numerous revenge plans. Well, I may look stupid, but this stupid Earthman managed to dispose you. You had that idiot Brass take the throne and exile me. You doomed all of Mongu to be sold to a fast food chain to become the galaxy's largest drive through Singh cruelly poked his bony finger in Rocket's chest, making the aged spacesuit Rocket never took off or washed crinkle like wrapping paper. You were a monster. I was a grand and powerful leader. Singh took a long sip of his space teeny. Remember the time you locked me in that vacuum creator and I got out only using my wits? Rocket mused with faraway eyes and jabbed out his cigarette on the bar. Wits? My traitorous, traitorous daughter waited until I had to go to the bathroom and pushed the off switch, you moron. Oh yeah, who in their right mind gives a death trap an off switch? A small cylindrical robot rolled out across the bar from a hidden hatch, cleaned up Rocket's ashy mess, and refilled both of their drinks. Your daughter and I made legendary love to the three suns setting that night. Oh, man, Singh lamented. It wasn't enough she was a slut, you understand, but she was slut with a bad taste. Rocket lit another cigarette and looked down at the health shake like it was a fond friend that was saying goodbye. I crap little scentless turds now, like a rabbit. It's all on account of the food pills. Singh turned away with disgust. Can we go back to the topic of you and my daughter, please? She left me. She left me for a trogun. They have five sets of genitals. Sounds like her. <laughs> a rare smile crept onto Singh's face. Rocket looked at his cigarette and sighed. He casually tossed it over his shoulder before collapsing on the bar and breaking into a violent, shuddering bout of jagged sobs. Singh looked over and downed his entire drink in one polite gulp. He gingerly patted Rocket on the shoulder, as if he was afraid Rocket was contagious. Look, I'm sure she'll come back. One can only keep up with a Trogun's sexual appetite for so long. That, th th that was ten years ago. His sentiment was ended by a new wave of racking sobs. Oh. Singh plastered on his best impression of a concerned smile which made him look like he was unpleasantly surprised to realize he was sitting on a sharpened thumbtack. Hey, remember that time you punched me in the face? That was when I unleashed the ice monster and you lit your sidekick on fire to melt it away? Rocket sniffled. Yeah. That was fun, he paused. For you, I guess. Rocket looked up, his eyes as red as booster flames. Thanks, pal. He, lean, he leaned in quickly and hugged Singh. Singh went rigid, as if a bolt of high current was being shot through him. After an uncomfortable amount of minutes, Rocket relented. That's nice, he said, rubbing Singh's lapel. What is that? Merkin silk? Velour. Yeah, that's nice. He sat back on his high-backed stool and ordered a glass of Phrygia wine, known the universe over for its ability to inebriate 
the imbiber quickly. What happened to the health shakes? Sing Sing signaled for another space teeny. Rocket grabbed his bulbous gut with both hands and shook it at Sing. What's the point, he said, putting his flab down and lighting up another cigarette. Sing suddenly lunged at Rocket, hands splayed like a chorus dancer. Ah! Rocket fell out of his seat and sent the full wine glass crashing to the floor loudly. He pulled himself up angrily and peered at Sing. What the hell was that, you crazy bastard? I thought if I scared you, you might have a, have a heart attack. Your kind does have hearts, right? What? Did you just think of that stupid plan right now? Well, the elaborate trap seemed not to work very well, and you made me spill my drink. You know, twenty years ago, I would have just unleashed wave after wave of death bots at you. Twenty years ago, I had the body of a Greek god, a spaceship, and a woman's love. Now I have a gym teacher's body, cirrhosis, and an ex doing strange things with a sex monster. He cast a lonely sideways glance at Sing. And they went all clanky-clanky and had laser eyes. You have to quit living in the past, friend. Sing shook himself out of his fantasies involving mechanized death bots and screaming rocket smiths. He looked up with tears in his eyes. We were on a space station going nowhere. We're in a bar of the station going nowhere. At least we can't be bothered, Rocket smiled his all-American smile. Just then, the entrance door hissed open and Sing's daughter and her hulking mass of sex monster boyfriend came in, followed by a mechanical humanoid robot with blazing red eyes. The pair looked over. Laura, whispered Rocket, and quickly looked back to the server robot. One large glass of Phrygia wine, please. Sing, sing. Do you see who just walked in? Rocket looked over to his left, then behind him. Sing walked right past his daughter and began to shout at the robot. Deathbot 29, you've come to rub it all in my face, haven't you? Beep, beep, bleep, bleep. Oh, don't you come the bastard with me, you clanky monstrosity. Get out of my sight before I have you recycled into a bedpan. Sing walked back and took his seat at the dejected mechanical man, slowly shuffling out of the bar. There was another space teeny waiting for him. Rocket was eager to start a conversation. What was all that about, he said, leaning in with too much rapt attention. Rapt attention that left him oblivious to Laura and the sex monster, whose name was Frank, and had a nice job as an administrative assistant, taking seats to his right. It was her ordering of a Xerox smasher with a twist of lemon that startled him. She turned and narrowed her eyes. Rocket? Rocket's eyes darted left and right, waiting for his brain and mouth to work in unison. Oh, Laura, didn't, uh, see you come in? He swallowed noiselessly. How have you been? She giggled and put her arm around Frank. I've been good. Frank stuck out a scaly tentacle. I'm Frank. Who are... Rocket bounded out of his seat, stuck out his chest, and sucked in his gut. Rocket Swift, space adventurer. Maybe you've heard of me? As Frank pensively stroked what could be considered his chin, Sing burst out with cackling laughter. You overweight, pellet-crapping, balding buffoon. You haven't had a decent adventure in 15 years that didn't involve going to the grocery store. Ha! Rocket resigned, back to his stool, and quietly lit another cigarette. Oh yeah, well, your beard looks stupid, he mumbled. That was Last Stop, Final Frontier. My name is Doug, and this is Mr. Wright. This episode's called Motives and Motivations. I'm going to be talking a lot about motivations. Motives? Simple. You want to be a writer. You want to be a better writer. You want to be a famous writer, or well-known, at minimum. That's your motive. Uh, there's a thing called writer's ego. 
that I don't know if I've ever talked about on the show where uh, I was in college and I was taking one of my first classes for uh, my degree in English and uh, it was in a creative writing class and the, the teacher, Dr. So, who was the head of the English department who I got to know quite well, asked the room, asked the class, who's the best writer in this room? My hand shot up. And he goes, yes. I said, it's me. And he goes, exactly. And these kids are like, how do you know the teacher? And how do you know myself like that you're the best writer? I went, it doesn't matter. I'm the best writer in this room. Like that is writer's ego. And that's the ego you have to have that drives you. You know, you'll never get out of the shadow of your influences that I'll give you. But ultimately, compared to other friends who, who write or are creative types, you know, there's an ego there, um, a weird competitiveness, and that's motive and motivation, really. Um, I'm not saying be a complete dick to the community and be like, fuck you, I'm the best writer. Like, don't let it go to your head. But, like, that's kind of the secret, quiet mantra that every writer and every creative type has. Eventually, they're going to go, I've had enough training, I've had, you know, enough success or um, practice that I am the best at what I do in my own eyes, and that keeps you healthily um, competitive and motivated. So, the notes, I rarely have notes out to do this show. Usually, it's off the cuff if you haven't figured that out yet. Um, some episodes more than others. But this one, I specifically wrote down some notes because I wanted to talk about how to sit down and write. And here's the deal. You just do it. They'll say, but I don't have the time. If you love something and you love doing something, you'll find the time. I love podcasting. I love talking about writing. And I love talking about movies on uh, different shows. And you know what? I make the time to do that because I love doing it. I love writing. And I find the time to write. Is it every day? Absolutely not. Sometimes life does get in the way. But don't let that be a hindrance. Don't let procrastination take over. Write. If you love it, you will find the time. You will block it out the way I block out time to record this show every two weeks and to edit it once every two weeks or whatever it is. Block out a time. An hour a day. An hour every two days. Two, two hours every two days. You know, depending on your schedule. Whatever it is. A whole day. Where you have a day off and you go, okay, I'm going to sit there and I'm going to write. Now... Your greatest critic, other than yourself, is going to be that blank page staring back at you, waiting to be filled. Yes, it's incredibly intimidating. So you sit down, and you write. Is it an ongoing piece? Or are you halfway through a novel? Just start working. Um, I've talked about having multiple pieces, um, it, you know, many brands in the fire, so to speak, that if I get stumped on novel, I'll jump to short story, or I'll jump to poem, or I'll jump to whatever it is, and I'll crack something. And maybe that'll let loose a torrent of creativity, and I'll jump back to the thing I was stuck on, and suddenly that page isn't as intimidating, and I've got it. You just sit down to write. Fuck word counts. I know I've talked a big game about word counts, but that's when you have... A real goal in mind when you're, you know, on the last 100 pages, 40 pages of a novel, or you're a couple pages to finish a short story, um, or something that's time sensitive, maybe you've been contracted, or you've got an editor breathing down your neck like I do when I write Hate at First Sight, a political column I do. Sometimes that's word count and, and someone, you know, holding you accountable, that's a good motivation. Um, but, you know, when I start writing novels... Uh, when I start writing some of my short stories, like Last Stop, Final Frontier, 
I didn't have any of those constraints, so I just sat down and wrote it and went, I don't care if I get 500 words out of this. I don't care if I get 200 words out of this. I just kind of want to keep going. I didn't wait for inspiration. That's a big thing with um, creative types. Is like, you know, I don't feel inspiration this second. Fuck you. That's ridiculous. You cannot wait for an epiphany. You're never going to get anything done, and if you do, it's going to be in starts and bursts. And you're, it's never going to be finished if you're waiting. It, it's like saying you're waiting to win the lottery. And that's why I'm not working. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Don't worry for it. Don't, don't wait for inspiration. Just sit down and start that page until one of you starts crying. So there you go. Don't wait for it. Just, once again, sit down and write. Doesn't matter what it is. Start with some stream of conscience. Just get the old, you know, brain mechanics working. Um, I've done that. It, it works sometimes. Um, it depends if I've got, like, an idea where I know that, you know, really it's very loose and I don't know where I'm going to put it. And I'll just go, let's just, you know, find out what this, you know, the black ship uh, was an, from the idea dump. That it, All it said it was, like, this, like, you know, dreadnought of a thing, you know, floats through the sea of stars. That's it. Is it the beginning of something? Is it the middle of something? Is it the end of something? I don't know. But I, you know, went, okay, well, let's see. Black ship, da-da-da-da-da. And I just went. And, you know, knocked loose some of the cobwebs and went, okay, I'm going to file that in my unfinished. I'm um, going to be one of those pieces, like I said, I keep open that I might come back to. But once I got the creative juices flowing, I went back and started working on what I had to work on if I had to work on anything. Um, or the one thing that was like, you know, big obstacles, such as like finishing the novel. Um, or putting the notes together for the sequel novel, which I still have not done. So, but that's, I've been waiting for inspiration and that's something that I'm just as guilty of. I need to sit down and just get it done. should be taking my own advice, and I absolutely will. So don't worry, I do practice what I preach. Lastly, uh, fuck polish. And basically what that means is when you're just trying to sit down and write, don't worry about perfect syntax, even spelling errors. Just get the words out. You can always go back and clean it up, or your editor will catch whatever it is and, you know, red pencil it. Just get it out. Fuck polish. You don't need it. Not at this point. If you're just trying to, if you're struggling to get the idea out, don't worry about getting it out perfectly. You won't. That's like picking up a paintbrush for the first time, or even second time, and going, eh, Sistine Chapel, Mona Lisa, Starry Night. Not gonna happen. Not gonna happen. It's like sitting at your computer for the first time in front of a Word document or text edit or whatever you use. And writing Old Man in the Sea, or Fight Club, or um, Confederacy of Dunces. Not going to happen. It's going to be a struggle. Don't worry about perfect win. Um, you know, a, a KO with no damage. Like, that's not going to happen out of the gate. No matter what the project, no matter who you are. If that does happen, you're some kind of freak idiot savant, and you deserve to be killed and then studied. That's my opinion. So, yeah, don't worry about getting out the idea perfectly. Just get the idea out. That should be your motivation. Pure and simple. Uh, 10,000 hours will make anyone, you know, good at anything. That's what they say about practice. And if you don't write for 10,000 hours, you're not going to be any good at it. Period. So, and it doesn't matter what you do in those 10,000 hours. It, like I said, could be a bad poem. Could be an unfinished idea like Last Top Final Frontier was. Fine. But as long as you get those hours and you put the work in, you will see progress. 
and you will have that motivation to write and write better. So, from Mr. Wright, I'm Doug. Remember, you keep writing, they'll keep reading. Right on. This has been a Blood Alcohol Content Network production. For more information, visit www.bacnpodcast.com. Your home for almost bacon and banjo!